On today's show, is the offensive line a concern for Utah in 2022? That and the rest of your submitted questions answered on today's show. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, Utah fans. My name is JT Wistersill, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we're answering your questions. Posting them on Twitter, a Q&A at Locked On Utes. You guys responded with a few of the questions you have for this Utah football team, as well as a couple other questions, some for me, some about even other Utah sports. So we're going to hit all those questions today on the show, but this is something we're going to be doing throughout the next few weeks here on Locked On Utes. So if you guys ever have questions, tweet us at the show, as well as comment under any posts that say, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? So Locked On Utes questions is something we're, we love to take. We love to hear from you guys. So going forward, make sure you send your questions to us. And on today's show, we're going to answer every question that was submitted to us this week. Don't know if I can make that promise every week, but we're able to do it with this one. So let's get things started with participation trophy. Groups I'm concerned with in descending order. The O-line, special teams, wide receivers, DBs. Am I wrong? I think there's one weak spot on the team. It's the O-line. So some of those positions I'm concerned about as well, participation trophy, but the offensive line is actually not one of them. So I do think you're wrong about that one. This is an offensive line that was really good last year, especially once Cam came in. We had, they had some struggles early on in the season, but once Cam came in, just like the rest of the team, they were rejuvenized, energized, they were ready to go, and that completely changed their mentality and mindset and just their play it really looked like out there. And part of that was Bam Olaseni coming in, of course, Bam now in the NFL and same thing, Nick Ford. So two huge losses from this team a year ago, Nick also with him gone, the Utes lose the leadership void, which is something that will definitely hurt this team. But I think there are guys who are ready to step up and fill that void. And let's step up with the least question mark along this offensive line. And that's the guy who's been old reliable for Utah the last couple of seasons. That's Braden Daniels. He did a great job at right tackle last season. This year, he's kicking over to the left side. He'll fill Bam Olaseni's role as left tackle. And he's also going to help fill a little bit of that forward leadership void. As you can already hear the coaching staff talking about how Daniels has come in. He's taking command of the room. Now he's the leader in there and he's really stepped up. And he's always been a lights out player. Braden has phenomenal feet, especially in pass protection. I think he does a great job moving around, keeping guys in front of him. He's really strong as well when he gets his hands on you. He's not the uh, going to overwhelm you with power like a Braden, like a Bam Olsenny was, but a guy like Braden Daniels is not going to give up a lot of sacks because he's very patient, has a really good anchor, and still really strong in the run game as well. And he's another versatile guy too. He's played a little bit of guard, and I think at the NFL level, that's what they're going to want him to do is play more of that guard, but he's more than capable of playing tackle, especially at the college level. And we saw him do great at right tackle last year, earned all conference honors for it. I think this year he's going to do it once again. I think he's going to be the best left tackle in the Pac-12, Braden Daniels great force and going to be an awesome leader for this Utah offensive line as well. So next to him is going to be Jaron Kump. Kump is a guy who started for Utah two years ago during the COVID season, also started 
the beginning of the season last year until he was hit with another injury. Him and Bam were kind of rotating in. But this is a guy in comp in total. He's got nine starts at left tackle. That's a lot. Each year, I think he's gotten a little bit better and shown those flashes. Now he's been rehabbing, getting ready, should be ready for the start of the season. We haven't heard anything about it since spring ball, but we assume he's going to be good to go. And Kump is a huge guy. That's the first thing you take away when you're by him. He is strong and he's capable of overpowering you and moving you out of the way. So as long as the coaches have really worked with him, I think in pass protection to sit back and settle and let guys come to you instead of being over aggressive, I think Kump's going to be in for an awesome season as well. And Utah should have one of the best tackle tackle duos in the Pac-12. So they're set at tackle, but of course there's three other really important positions on the inside. That's the interior of the offensive line. We know Keaton Bills is going to be remaining at right guard. He did a great job there last season coming in, and he's only gotten stronger, and I'm sure he's even hungry to have another big year this year because it's not like a lot of people are talking about Keaton Bills to the NFL. So obviously Bills wants to change that. So he's going to come in motivated, ready to go, and he had a great year last year, really solid in run run blocking and pass protection. I expect another one from him. Another guy that would be interesting is Michael Mokofisi. He's a guy who hasn't started any games for this Utah team, but seeing as he's the starter right now over a guy in Lomeo, who Lomeo, excuse me, um, who was the starter last year, that shows you how high this coaching staff is on Michael Mokofisi. I think Mokofisi's in for a good year as well. He's the more unknown guy. He's the one I feel the least confident about, but when you're beating out a guy who was a starter last year, obviously that says a lot about you. I think this coaching staff is really high on Mokofisi. Then at center, Paul Miley. Miley is the guy, the newcomer that I'm probably the highest on. And he's only kind of a newcomer because whenever Keaton Bills got hurt last year, Utah kicked Nick Ford over to guard and they brought in Paul Miley. So that goes to show you they thought their best interior offensive lineman was Miley last season, who was a reserve, the best interior offensive lineman who was a reserve for this team because they could easily kept Ford in at center and brought another guy in, but they're like, no, we know how good Miley is and we know Ford can play either position, so we'll bring him in. So I think Miley is going to do a great job. He's tenacious as a run blocker as well. He's some of the best blocks for Utah last season. I thought they were really strong. I did not think he was far off of Nick Ford last year in terms of blocking. So I'm excited to see him come in and kind of take over the full time. So to me, Utah has four really good offensive linemen, a couple of guys who are going to be vying for all-conference honors. I'm already chalking up Braden Daniels for that. And then a couple other guys like uh, Mokafisi. He's the one with the most questions. But as I mentioned, this is a, the coaching staff is really high on him. So I expect him to come in and have a good year as well. He's probably the one we have the most questions about. But I, like I said, I feel like this is a strength for this Utah football team is the offensive line. The trenches should be strong. Utah always runs the ball. That's the biggest part of their identity is how do we, how are we going to run the ball? It's something that they do really well. We talked about a camp only sacked the six times, all those rushing yards last year for those running backs, three guys over 500 yards. That doesn't happen without a strong offensive line. And you have four guys coming back to this offensive line that have at least started four games in their career. So to me, that's a really big thing. I'm excited for this offensive line. I think they're going to do a good job of putting these playmakers in position to have big plays. Speaking of playmakers, Utah lost, a huge one in Britton Covey, especially in the return game. So I'm take punts and kicks to the house in some of the most memorable games for the Utes, whether that was right before the half versus Oregon, of course, the Rose Bowl as well. Even had one versus San Diego State. So Covey, you're not going to replace the return guy like Covey. But does that mean Utah is going to have no return production this year or no return touchdowns? I absolutely don't think so. So 
It's a little bit of an unknown who's going to be the return guy for the Utes this year. But one guy I really want to see is Clark Phillips. Clark last year was listed on the depth chart for the Utes as the backup in kickoff return. And I think it's something he would excel at. He is a phenomenal athlete, as all Utah fans know. He has more than lived up to that four-star rating, started every game he's competed in for the Utes. He did. I know the corners obviously didn't have a great performance versus uh, Ohio State in that game, but I mean, he had as good a game as you can have and had some really nice reps on a, one of the best receivers in the country in Jackson and Jigba Smith. So I think Phillips is a phenomenal athlete. There are tons, by the way, there's a huge success line of corners who are also great return guys. Patrick Peterson being one that just jumps off the top of my mind. He had a really good NFL career as well with the Cardinals as a returner before he became stayed just as a corner while doing both early on in his career. So I would love to see Clark get it. Devon Vele is another guy. Some people have pegged saying maybe he could do it. We're going to talk about Vele in a little bit, but I think he's in a big year and part of that could be because of his return abilities. So I think between those two guys, Utah's good. And there was another guy last year, so Jalen Dixon was listed as the backup punt returner. And I don't know if Dixon will get the job this year, but for those of you who will be like, I don't know about Dixon. Like, yes, he makes a play a year, but can he really get it done? I would say absolutely. And one of the reasons I would say that is even though – so Jalen Dixon went to Lone Star High School, which is in Texas. I actually faced him in high school, so I know what Jalen is capable. He is an extremely explosive athlete, um, and he burnt my team back in Texas uh, more than on a few occasions back in high school. So Jalen is a phenomenal athlete. I think he would do great as well. But personally, I want Clark to be the return guy for the Utes this year, and I think he's going to be very explosive if he gets it. So the return game, I feel like Utah is going to be fine. They'll get good yardage. It won't be what it is last year. Now, in terms of kickoff – coverage, punt coverage. That one is a little bit more of something I feel good about because it's not as much of an unknown as say the kick returner. I have the upside. I really like Clark Phillips, but I still want to see it. The kickoff and punt coverage after those first couple games really solidified. Sure. Utah may give up one kick or punt return, but most college teams just don't do that. So I think that it's not going to happen. They cleaned it up last year. I expect it not to be an issue heading into this coming year. So I think they're going to be really strong in the return game and in their coverages on punt and kickoff as well. They should be good there. I think the coaching staff made that a priority and they'll get into it. Last area, special teams. This is the one where we talked, I mentioned earlier for participation trophies question. He said one of the things he was concerned about was special teams. I would absolutely agree in terms of kickers. That's something where there's a game on the line. We need a 30 to 40 yard kick to win it. I don't know if Jaden Redding or Jordan Noyes, whoever ends up being the guy to get that done is capable of that. We don't know how that competition is going to shake out yet. I expect it to be Redding. Of course, he was the main guy for it last year, but Noyes had it early on in the season as well. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see how it happens. So for Utah, I think that if you, you know, if you get within under 30 yards, yes, they're going to make it. But if it's a crucial kick and you need it from 30 to 40 plus yards out, I don't know how much I trust these guys yet. So that's something I definitely feel concerned about and something Utah didn't have to settle for a lot of field goals last year because of how productive the offense was. And part of that being the offensive line. And speaking of offense production, that's one of the other things you mentioned groups I'm concerned about receivers. So no one is going to go into a game versus Utah and be like, we got to stop the receivers at least to start the season. But I think that could change. Actually. I think Devon Vele is going to be the breakout star for Utah offensively this coming season. I think he's going to have a monster year. We saw how much, he was targeted in the spring game, and I think that's only going to continue. He has the perfect build of a number one receiver. He's got the strength as well. I think he's going to be Cam's favorite target and going to make a number of huge catches for this team using that size, speed, and toughness combination that he possesses to make those plays. Speaking of 
speed and t- size and toughness as well. Got a guy in Solomon Enos who I think is going to be a really reliable guy, especially on third downs. It's going to come up with some big catches for Utah. And speaking of big catches, how about Makai Cope in the spring game? I mean, that was the best catch of the day by far when Cope absolutely skied up and grabbed that ball one-handed with the right, secured it, going down the sideline for the use. I think Cope's in for a big year as well. And Money Parks, Jalen Dixon, I'm excited to see what those guys do as well, contributing a little bit. So it's going to be fun to see what this Utah receiver group can do, but I think they're going to have a strong year. So to sum up this question, I'm not concerned about the offensive line. I am concerned about aspects of special teams. And I, as I mentioned, kicking, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the return coverage struggle a little bit, but I think overall they're going to be fine on the season. Um, and wide receivers I'm not concerned with. Now, there was one other position in there, defensive backs, and actually a few of you asked about the defensive backs, so that's something we're going to touch on in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about Bet Bet BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Guys, you know the national media is always low on the Ute, so make sure you head over to Bet Online. Try to take advantage of some of those odds. See if the Utes, if you like some of those Utah bets. Obviously, I and a lot of you guys think Utah's going to win the Pac-12. There are a lot of people who think who are riding the USC Lincoln Riley hype train. So go over and take advantage of that. If you guys think Cam and Tavion are in for big seasons, go over and give some love for them for leading the conference in passing or rushing yards. All these things are possible for these guys. So bet online. You can go Utah's win total as well. A very reliable site. You can find all the latest sports development league review and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. So obviously the NHL playoffs have passed as I'm reading that. But Major League Baseball is still underway and NFL right around the corner as well. So a number of opportunities for you guys to go to bet online. It remains one of the best spot for all your sports scores podcast news this season head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts which nfl stars move the betting line the most starting july 18th locked on gives you the 50 most valuable players in the nfl from the odds makers at bet online available july 18th on locked on nfl wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube so before we jump into the the DB discussion, my friend Travis on Twitter hit us up. Travis asked, in your opinion, what are the chances Tavion Thomas wins the Heisman Trophy in 2022? Vegas needs to create odds so I can place my bet. So it is going to be extremely hard for Tavion to win the Heisman. You got First of all, it's a quarterback award. You have to do something so incredible as a running back, historic almost, to win that award. And speaking of winning the award, that's the other thing you have to do is you have to win. You have to be at least a top four team and you, you have to be one of the, you have to be the best player at your position. We obviously know that. And you have to be the best player on a really good team. Now, I think that's something Tavion can do. Tavion can have the numbers of that. So if we're looking at a season last year, 21 touchdowns in total of over a thousand yards rushing. I think he needs at least a thousand five hundred total yards. I think 2000 yards, honestly, would be best for it. And I think he needs to get close to 30 touchdowns as well as Utah needs to be in the top four. That's a tall order for a Utah team, which is well, I mean, you got a guy in Jalen Glover and Makai Bernard who could both factor it and get some of those touches and take some of that production away from Tavion. So personally, I don't know if I would make the Tavion bet, but also say this, if you have the conviction and really believe that Tavion could win it, 
Why not make it? Because it's not outside the realm of possibilities. The odds aren't great. Look, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, um, even a guy like Devontae Smith won the Heisman a few years ago. So Jackson and Jigba Smith will have a chance to as well. We know it's mostly a quarterback award, but there's definitely a chance if Tavion breaks history or does something crazy. And because of the strength of this offensive line, I think there's a chance he can do that. So if you want to make it, make it. Personally, I probably wouldn't, but I think Tavion is in for a big year. So We'll wait and see what happens. So now jumping into Utah secondary, that was something participation trophy asked about. Josh Robinson asked, what is the health of the secondary looking like? Who holds down the other corner spot? Also CFB dugout thoughts on the secondary. So you guys, it's a common trend. You guys are like, what's going on with the secondary? We're concerned. You guys obviously remember the Rose bowl and how that ended up playing out for Utah, not in their favor in terms of coverage as they let in Jigba Smith and CJ Stroud both have record breaking performances, but Makai Bernard's not playing corner anymore. And that's no shade at Makai Bernard. As he will tell you, he plays running back. So I think for Utah, they're going to have their corners back. They're going to be healthy or so we think I should say. Here's the thing. Pac-12 media week media week is this coming week. So we're going to know then when we kind of hear these questions, what does the health of the corner room look like? That's not something I am for sure of right now because we don't have that kind of access at the moment. So we'll see. But I, there are two things I know for sure about the secondary. It's Clark Phillips and it's Cole Bishop. Clark Phillips is going to have a chance to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. He has been everything as advertised. I was just hyping him up as a return man for the Utes, but he led the Pac-12 in passes deflected a year ago. He is one of the stickiest corners in coverage in the nation. He is a leader on this team. He is fearless. He's got the. He may not be the tallest, but he's got some bounce as well. I've, I played basketball with him a couple times, Clark, and he can sky up there. And you see that as well in his game when he goes up. We know if he gets the ball in his hand, he can take some pick sixes to the house as well. So anytime you have an eraser, and what I mean by an eraser is a guy capable of taking the other team's best receiver away, you're in a good spot. And that's what Utah has in Clark Phillips. So by no means is his secondary going to be bad simply for Clark's presence. And then let's look on the back end. They got another guy in a big name in Cole Bishop. Cole came on so strong as a freshman last year. It was incredible to watch. He made so many big plays and big time moments. He instantly became a fan favorite. And I think he's only going to get better because this is his first full off season in the strength and conditioning program, working with the coaches, his second spring ball as well. I think Cole is going to have a phenomenal season. I'm really excited to see what Cole Bishop's going to do on the back end. And I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be first team all Pac-12 with a couple of picks and big hits mixed into it. So looking then, who's going to be next to Cole? I think it's going to be RJ Hubert. Hubert is a guy Utah fans have been excited about in flashes for a few years now. He shined in back-to-back spring balls, but going back to the 2020 season, he was hurt, which that was a weird season anyways. And then last season, he also got hurt. So people are wondering, is RJ healthy? Well, I can tell you who he definitely is. I actually just played basketball with RJ as well last week. So RJ Hubert, definitely healthy, moved very well on the court. Um, dusted me more than a few times, although that's not saying much. I'll say that, but RJ looks great. I think he's going to have an awesome year. The rest of the depth of the safeties, it's kind of unknown, but guess what? Cole Bishop was a complete unknown commodity last year. So I expect coach coach Scally and the rest of the defensive coaches to get the most out of these guys. And I do think the safety spot is going to be strong, especially as Hubert, I think is going to be the guy. A lot of Utah fans are like, Whoa, I I remember him from a few years ago, but I didn't know he was that good. So I think Hubert's going to make a lot of big plays for this team, getting picks and with some big high, big time hits mixed in at the corner spot. There are definitely some questions after the injuries, but a guy in 
Travis Broughton, I think, is going to be back and healthy. And he was a guy that was on his way to becoming an incredible corner. He had seven tackles versus BYU. If you don't want to take my word for it, go check out Hans Olsen on Twitter. He has a little minute video talking about how high he is on Travis Broughton. And I think Broughton is in for a huge season as well. I think he is going to be cornerback number two. And I think he's in for a really strong season. He's got the great length and athleticism you want in the cornerback position. And he's going to do a really good job locking down the other side. Speaking of athleticism, Zamaya Vaughn had really some good flashes last year. And I think he's a guy as well in Vaughn that's only going to continue to get better and grow. And because he's gotten those reps in the past, I think he's also going to have a big year for this Utah team. And a guy in Fabian Marks too. These are all guys with starting experience. We're going down the line. So this is three guys I feel comfortable with at the corner spot. I think it's great when you can have four corners, obviously three guys who are really good, and then one who's going to be a superstar, and Clark Phillips will have a chance to win Defensive Player of the Year in the conference, depending on if he gets the amount of interceptions needed. Already let it in passes broken up, as we talked about. So I think this cornerback room is going to have a really good season as well. I think there's a lot of guys on the outside. You got your number one guy, and then you have a bunch of guys who can take on the rest of the receivers. And I really think, especially between Phillips and Broadham, I think that could be the top cornerback duo in the Pac-12. And Vaughn and Marks are going to have some things to say about that as well. So Utah in the secondary-wise, I think they're going to be strong this year. I really think this Utah team has a good secondary. I don't feel – I feel a little concerned about it, of course, just because coming off injuries and some of that. And the other thing is, obviously, we want these guys to stay healthy. We'll see if they're able to do that. But at the moment – I feel good about that and their chances to do so. So moving on, let's get to the rest of your guys' question. Josh Robinson also asked, what is the best away game to go to this year? It is the Swamp. It's the season opener. Football is a religion in the South, as you guys know. It is absolutely insane down there. The atmosphere around it is incredible. If you guys have never been to an SEC game, I would highly recommend going down and checking out the Swamp. I have personally never been to Florida, but I have heard more than enough people rave about it, and I have been to an SEC game before, and I know it's absolutely incredible, those environments. So Florida, I would say, is the the number one, especially season opener, um, the start of the Billy Napier era, for the Gators, I think it's going to be a rocking house, a great crowd. They're going to be hungry for an upset with a team as high as ranked as Utah, who we know is going to be in the top 10, coming into their house, into the swamp. So if you guys can get down to Gainesville, I'd absolutely recommend you do so. But if you're maybe thinking more so want to stay local in the Pac-12, I think going up to Oregon is going to be a fun one this year as well. I mean, the Ducks first year with Dan Lanning, of course, the great Georgia defensive coordinator, get a guy in Bo Nix who's going to have some fun. I expect that to be a really good game. It's actually the Florida game and the Oregon game are the only two games that Utah is not favored on their schedule at the moment. So Utah fans, the team's also going to need your support at those games as well. Two hostile environments and Eugene is an absolutely beautiful place as well. So those would be my two picks for the road games. So, Cheech, Corey Cheech, that is, asked, what was your favorite memory of working in the athletic department? So in terms of my personal favorite memory, I would have to go with, as you guys can tell, I'm hosting this podcast. What I enjoy is sports media. So I got the opportunity to assist in some of the Pac-12 broadcasts from last season in what's called the talent stats position. So what the talent stats position is, is I would sit next to the broadcasters who are calling the game, the guys you, when they're talking, you guys can hear them. And I would feed them stats. I'd have my laptop open. I'm searching up things. I'm grabbing stats and I'm handing it over 
to those guys and those guys or girls, whoever was whatever men's team, women's team was playing. I did that with a couple people that whether there were some people like Todd Harris, Jacob Toby, Krista Blunk were all some of my favorites to work with as well as former Utah coach Joe Cravens as well. And some of those favorite memories that stand out is whenever you give them a good stat and then on the air, you get a shout out saying like from our statistician, JT Wistersell, like obviously how can you not want that? So that was something that was really exciting for me to always be able to do was help out. But I had so many great memories and there's a ton of funny stories I could tell as well. So if you guys want to hear about some of the stories I've got from my time as well, more humorous wise, hit us up on Twitter and I'll make sure to tell some of those in the future too. But that entire department is first class. I had a great three years working inside of there. And just after I graduated, it was moving on what's next. That's the only reason I'm not there anymore because they were absolutely incredible. I even almost thought about doing grad school a little bit just so I could stay inside and work with whether it was watching games from the press box, helping out at football. I helped out a lot of different sports, made a lot of great relationships. All the SIDs are incredible over there. It's a great department. And you guys have no idea as well what it goes into being an SID. Some of the hours and the crazy things they do as well. It's absolutely phenomenal. So that entire department, I'm not going to shout out everyone, but I'm just going to say all around Utah Athletic Communications Department of first class, first class in every way. Also, one of the questions from Cheech, as well as Hockey Man, was, do you plan on attending any Utah hockey games next season? And I want to answer that simply. The With Locked On Utes, we want to cover the sports that are going to get the most coverage from you guys. So if you guys have a really high demand for hockey, if you have a really high demand for gymnastics, men's basketball, those are the sports I'm going to be at, and those are the ones I'm going to be covering because my job is to give you guys the coverage that you want. So if they, I see a bunch of support for hockey, I'll get out to some hockey games. Same thing. I plan on being at men's basketball, gymnastics, and there's lots of other sports as well, obviously, that the department has that Utah has. So if you guys want to see me out and at them, tweet at me to talk about those sports, and I'll make sure to get out there and give those sports the coverage they deserve. There are so many unbelievable student athletes at all across the country, and Utah's got a ton of great programs as well. So if that's what you guys want, those are the one, those are the games I will be at. So just keep hitting me up saying, hey, we'd love to have you out to this one, love to have you out to that one. There's enough, and there, there's enough traction, I'll be there. So final question of the pod goes to CFB Dugout. Is the writing on the walls for the Pac-12 adding San Diego State University, Fresno, UNLV, CSU, etc., will not yield a competitive payout for Oregon and Washington? Seems like next offseason will be the end. The two biggest brands left in the conference will always have one foot out the door. All right, CFB Dugout, thank you for sending that in, as well as thank you to all of you guys who have sent in questions today. This has been really fun and something I look forward to doing in the future is taking your guys' questions and answering them. So is the writing on the wall for the Pac-12? I'll say this. I think the writing is on the wall for college football pretty much. I you, okay, you could say maybe the SEC and the Big Ten because I think we're heading towards two super conferences, and maybe those are the SEC and the Big Ten or – I even think there's a world where teams just want to completely step away from the NCAA model um, and just really form those two super conferences. So whether or not those teams even stay in the Big Ten or the SEC, I don't even know. That may sound crazy. They just signed contracts for all this money, but we're seeing teams leave and kind of what's going on right now. So I think a lot of that stuff is up in the air because there's ways you can get out of things. So the future of college football is so much in limbo. But yes, I think the Pac-12's days – 
are very well could be numbered. I think the Big 12 days could very well could be numbered. I think the ACC's days, and like I said, I even think there's a chance like 10 years from now, we're not even calling the Big 10 and the SEC those conferences. They could be something totally different. We don't know what college football is going to look like because there's so many changes that could still happen. So it'll be interesting to see. First, Personally, I, we talked about on the show this week. I want the Pac-12 to stay together. I want it to be a thing. So we'll see if they're able to make it stay and Adding some of those teams could be good. Maybe they just want to keep it as the Pac-10. I don't know. But I think the writing is on the wall for all the conferences. And I really don't think if Utah goes to the Big 12, I just don't know if that's a long-term solution because I really believe we're headed for two super conferences in the next eight years of college football. So any move to me is temporary. That's why I'd rather have Utah just stay in the Pac-12. And then when that move happens, they go over to one of the super conferences. But if I could have any way I want, I would have the Pac-12 and the Still, the Power Five conferences stay the same. I know a lot of you guys on Twitter saying there's not any more power. There's not five power conferences, but technically by designation, there still is, even though some of them, like the Pac-12, have begun losing their power. Also, one thing I didn't address on today's show was some of these rumors about Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. I really am looking for more verified reports than just these random Twitter accounts. There was one of them that didn't even have a hundred followers that was kind of commenting and saying, and I'm not trying to take a shot at that person. I'm just saying that that's not a very reliable source, especially if you don't have a blue check mark. When it comes to news like this, news this big about realignment teams jumping over, I'd like it to come from a blue check mark at least. So I don't think there's, I really believe that at least for this season, I think all the talks are going to be pushed to the, next spring maybe or even more down the line i think for now those four teams are committed to the pac-12 as are the rest of them so we'll see what happens but as i mentioned that wasn't the focus of today's show because i'm not going to talk about something that isn't really news and that felt like more manufactured news so it'll be interesting to see but guys thank you for tuning in to locked on Utes. want to remind you to make locked on pac-12 your second listen after you listen to us first, of course, but Locked On Pac-12 host Spencer McLaughlin and other hosts take you around the conference, give you the insight and knowledge you need of the Conference of Champions. Right now, Spencer's over there talking a lot about conference realignment. So if you guys want more of that content, make sure you head over there to do that as well. Thank you guys for making my first week on Locked On Ute, such a memorable one. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. We'll be back next week talking more Utes. Thank you for listening to Locked On Utes. Have a great weekend.